Welcome back, everybody, to the Headcase Podcast. Today, we're going to start by talking about overthinking. And my little story is overthinking and how it's ruined a lot of my a lot of my relationships and damaged my capability to be happy. I am an overthinker when it comes to everything. As far as why a random person makes the smallest choice all the way to life or death situations. If a person walks on the left side of the hallway rather than the right, I break it down as to did this person make the choice or was there a person walking by them and they had to move to the other side? Was somebody standing in the way and they had to move around or was there something on the ground that they had to step around? And the bigger the decisions and the choices, the process gets longer and longer. When it comes to, and when it comes to relationships, that is ultimately what has ruined the happiest times of my life. And coming to this conclusion at 27 years old and almost five years into my marriage is probably one of the worst timings. And if I could have known, if I could have known this before, I could have saved a lot of heartache and a lot of people, or a lot of heartache for a lot of people, including myself. And my story behind that is uh, in the relationship before my marriage, um, I was with this woman who had uh, a four-year-old kid and we were pretty happy um, spending a lot of time together after work and moved in for a little bit. And ultimately the problem started whenever she had to stay late for work of all things had to stay late for work. Didn't send me a message. Didn't let me know. She just came home late. And me being the overthinker and not knowing that this was even a thing. It was being an overthinker in a relationship. I started questioning who she was with. And I mean, she worked for a small store and there's only a couple people there. And she was staying late and it happened a couple times with her boss and it was only her and her boss. And then me just being an overthinker just created trust issues in my own head. And in relation to that is like, it reminds me of the movie inception. Like when he goes and plants that seed, that little seed in his wife's brain and then it ended up boiling over and she ended up killing herself. Now, mine's not to the extent where I'm going to kill myself, but it causes a lot of a lot of heartache and a lot of trust issues in my own head off of something as minuscule as not sending a message saying, hey, this popped up. I'm going to be a little late. And with the whole trust issues thing, um, she was obviously a little bit older and. Uh, she just wasn't having it and it ended that relationship and ultimately it could boil down to like what's what's going on in my marriage right now is that we're separated and working towards divorce right now is because trust issues and because of my overthinking and we're we're not happy and she's not happy because I'm not happy and if I'm not happy I can't put what needs to be put into a relationship for my spouse to be happy you know yeah so as far as overthinking goes i'm sure everyone's a victim of that i mean not everybody but 
for me, I have several examples as well when, you know, it's, it's usually most of the time, some type of relationship or significant other. Cause in my mind, I've had plenty of insecurities and that's usually, I mean, I've identified where they come from is an insecurity. And we were just talking about the uh, self-sabotage. That's been a theme of my adult life and not just relationships. It can be work successes. It can be um, a lot of decisions where you feel, at least for me, feel like you're not good enough to have a good thing in your life. So like I was just telling you, it's almost like I'm just going to beat life to the punch and ruin it myself because that'll be a little less heartache than it being organic, I guess, you know, um, and like letting life kind of be on its own terms. I kind of take over and do it myself, which is unfortunate, but I mean, I've had, I've had similar things where, you know, relationships, uh, relationships where the, the sad thing is the fact that you might think that person is, you know, out of your league or, you know, might be coming down to your level. I'm talking about myself, but um, you're like wondering that that's such a, you know, that's such an insecurity. That's like such low personal value to think, you know, like, Oh man, I really scored. Like how this person gets so lucky when really, you know, I think the biggest thing I'm learning is to put yourself on the pedestal and, you know, get yourself together and make sure your life is good. And then have someone compliment that not be the sole focus. And that's where all these problems for me came from too. I mean, I've, I've self-sabotaged things that had no proof and no right to be sabotaged at all. <clears throat> and um, I mean, t- to solve that now, can't really tell you what I'm doing off the top of my head, but I think something else I'm learning, you know, is that whole, like I just said, is just allowing life to process on life's terms and not try to control too, too much. Um, you know, making up stuff in our head is never, oh, that, that was the thing I was going to say was there's, um, <laughs> I got all these tools, tools I'm trying to put out there for people, but uh, mind reading and uh, fortune telling, we call it, you know, so communication is a huge part of you know, basically like what you just said in that relationship or like in mine. Um, so mind reading is, or fortune telling is just assumptions. You know, like if you're not good at communicating and you can't just have a proper conversation, you're going to just start assuming stuff and that becomes fact to you, even though it's not. <clears throat> and then the, the fortune telling side is literally, you know, imagine like a crystal ball and you're like, they're doing this right now, or this is going to happen in this relationship or with my friend or whoever, significant other neither of those things are true. Um, you know, and then when it comes down to like feelings too, your feelings aren't facts, you know, um, you might feel a certain way in a moment, but that doesn't make it fact, you know? Um, so collect your facts, I guess, before, before trying to mind read or before trying to fortune tell with certain situations. Yeah. And like on that is like, what I'm doing currently um, to work on that is just to be self-aware that I'm an overthinker. And I, I mean, literally just the other day, I found out that other people are like this, that will overthink everything in a relationship. 
Like, I know we talked about it briefly on our previous podcast about breaking everybody's actions down and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that do that about random people that they encounter in the world. But like to do that with somebody you've been with for five years, I thought like, that's just me. I need to work on, I need, I need to fix myself. I'm, I'm broken, but literally just started. Um, I was actually listening to somebody else. I, I don't remember who it was on the, on the YouTube or whatever podcast, but they were talking about how they're an overthinker. And if their significant other doesn't check in consistently, then they're, it's just going to be a seed planted and it's just going to continue to grow with every little detail that their significant other missed. Yeah. And yeah. I, just, I mean, what does that, what does that say about the relationship in general? You know, I mean, yeah, it's not even just the person, you know, I mean, a lot of time, if, if it's coming out of thin air, you know, that's one thing, but I mean, like, what does it say about the relationship between both people when it's like, when it's been so long or a certain amount of time and, I mean, this all comes down to like becoming a better communicator, I think on both sides, you know, because at some point it needs to be like, Hey, um, we've been doing this for kind of a while. And if there's proof or not proof, like you need to wrap this up or like, there's no point in doing it because, you know, like not going to move on forever with someone that <clears throat> has no trust in me when there's no valid explanation. You know, so that's a, I think it's a huge communication piece for anybody going through that is just, you know, if that, and if you're like someone who that's happening all the time too, um, yeah, there is no reason to like stick around. I mean, really, you know, if you, you know, if you're good at hiding something, then maybe look inward, but you know, if that's not the case, <laughs> if that's yeah. not the case and there's really nothing going on and your, your significant other, your partner is, um, is going through this, you know what, to be honest, and we've all done it. And guess what fixes it? A swift kick in the ass and find someone else to treat better. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's usually what it takes. I mean, it, that's what it took me. It took several, several times of doing that, of kicking me in the ass, being like, yeah, you're insecure. You have some confidence issues. You know, back in the day, I had no idea why, you know, uh, like, like you said, you kind of feel broken, but that's only because you don't know where this insecurity stemmed from. You know, like, why am I making up the stuff in my head? Why do I have trust issues? Why am I thinking this great person is out doing things to hurt me? Um, and it took a lot of work. And if you never find, if you never, if you're not an introspective person, like when it comes to overthinking, I like to call it introspective because when I overthink, it's usually about my own, like we're talking about right now. It's usually thinking about my thoughts. It's thinking about my experiences and how they've affected me and why I talk the way I talk, the way I act, the way I act and how I am in relationships. And that can all be, they can all be easily traced back to childhood, watching your parents, watching other relationships as you grew up, watching other, just anything. And you, you know, your brain takes all this information in kind of wires it how you think it's whatever's real to you. And then you start to act on that. And I mean, shit, look at, even when it comes to like media, let's say, you know, we grew up watching whatever, you know, who knows all different stuff. But for me, here's a good example or kind of is 
if I wasn't spoken to, let's say any kid right now, even if any kid out there doesn't have the picture perfect relationship in their home with open communication and good examples of, you know, some, some wisdom imparted on them about life and things like that, then what, where are they going to learn it? TV, TV, um, I mean, I don't watch a lot of Disney anymore, but like most, you know, TV shows are scandalous. You know, they're, they're dramas, they're whatever. So unless you're getting some real life wisdom from somebody who has actually been through some things, not a perfect person, but like myself, I would like to think one day that I've been through enough and I've done the work. Like, I'm not just going to talk out of my ass. I'm literally doing the work right now as we speak. And I think that that will allow me to be a more open communicator to break that cycle for my son. So he won't be some insecure kid either or adult one day and have to run into these same things. You know, it's like, here's some, here's some life wisdom imparted on you kid. Here's some things to look out for. Here's some things to do and not to do and think or not to think, you know, um, pause, take a step back when you get into certain situations and, you know, if it's happening to you, then on to the next one, you know? Yeah. And actually you, you just saying that is really could possibly be where all of this stems from, for me is, um, I think it was, well, I mean, I know for the fact my first couple of relationships were with unfaithful people. And I mean, they weren't even like to the physical point of like sex, but just girls that we were like, I would date and then they'd be talking to their other guys and stuff like that. And actually I, I remember, I remember uh, it may not be word for word, but uh, what my mom told me to come for me really was you can't trust these bitches. (laughs) (laughs) She's a nice lady. (laughs) She really is. Um, It's funny. But yeah, she's like, you just got to be patient and you'll find the one and you, you just can't trust these younger women like this. You can't wear your heart on your sleeve. You can't trust them. So, I mean, that could very well be where it all stems down from is my mom just being comforting and trying to help me with my first heartache or whatever. Yeah. Second heartache, whatever it was. (laughs) Yeah. That's, it's pretty crazy to think because when you're a certain age, you know, especially as a kid, like I, I truly believe, you know, I think most people probably believe that at such a young age, before you have any type of, before you have any type of higher power, the only higher power that you have as a kid is your parents. And now that I am one, you can see that you are God to that, to like, you are literally in someone else's words, God, you are literally a higher power. You are everything um you're the creator of their world yeah literally so when it comes to you know tidbits of information like that we take it very literal and you know it doesn't matter how old you are you know i could have been 17 18 19 20 years old and if i would have heard some shit like don't trust them you know and obviously yeah she was trying to make you feel better it wasn't like a serious remark on her point but yeah i mean i would have been like yeah you're right (laughs) like Okay, yeah. I got it, you know, and I'm going to protect myself at all costs all the time now because there was no like 
There was no follow-up guidance. It was just in the moment. That's why, you know, when we listen to Pierce, he's already said a couple of things about things that he was taught. And it's so, it's not direct. Uh, it's just, it's just more, it's, it just sounds like much more of a life lesson, you know? So I, I'm kind of envious of like, obviously the people that were around him as a, a kid, a teenager, a young adult, because obviously there were some good, you know, some good facts kind of shot his way mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they were a little more vague and a little more open to interpretation for him. You know, like you can still have experiences, but wasn't like shot one direction. And for me, you know, I grew up going back and forth between houses, divorced parents since I was five and not the good kind of divorce, you know, like the just completely toxic side. So I think all the mistakes that I've made, I knowingly, I mean, I knowingly do them. Like one's half of me, you know, my one part of my brain will say, this is a good thing. This is a good person. You know, they like you for you, blah, blah, blah. And the other half of me is like, you should fuck this up right now. (laughs) You know? And I, you know, what's funny about that is, you know, let's just, let's just go 50, 50 to be generous to, to guys. Okay. It's probably a lot less than 50%, but just to be generous to males out there, because I don't, I don't know many of their stories, but half of them are called players are called pigs they are called whatever you want to call them. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a young person, we're disgusting. Yeah. But, you know, as a, as a young adult or an older, you know, becoming older man, it's, you know, when you do things like that, at least for me, and I'm not trying to make excuses here because I know how much pain and things like that, that it causes, but after doing the work and kind of seeing where I'm at and who I am, um, it's definitely a self-defense mechanism. Like what you're talking about right now. You know, if I have something good and I, and I fuck it up, I'm knowingly doing that. And it's not to hurt that person it's to keep me from being hurt. And I'm like, maybe I just don't want to get them too close. You know, the whole too good to be true thing. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say that's true for many people. Maybe, you, you know, you're just a gross person, but I think for me, it just comes down to, like I said, the way I was talked to the things that I observed, I felt like, you know, I don't deserve to have some, someone or something good. And we're just meant to go down this spiraling pole of drama. And that's what life is because that's what I saw most of my life was just a fucking pit of drama mm-hmm. and just toxicity, you know? So I think being able to understand where you came from and where you learn these things and like really accepting it, it's opened my mind, not completely, you know, I'm working on it as we speak, like I said, but it's definitely opened my mind to trying to be okay with having good things and like accepting that the next shoe isn't going to drop. I mean, I've had that said to me in therapy, just by the way I've described certain thoughts of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a pretty common theme that they'll tell me like, you're waiting for the next shoe to drop all the time. Even when there is no shoe, like you are literally making up shoes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, like you got this going on. There's nothing going on at work. I mean, work is, work is a terrible one for me. You know, I mean, I think we just have that amount of anxiety and stress in what we do that, you know, like, like it's almost a daily thing where it's like, Hey, did you hear somebody got in trouble? And you're like, Oh God, what did I do? Oh my God. Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> like, did I get in trouble? Yeah. No, dude. I'm just trying to tell you somebody got in trouble. It's like, well, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> it's like, 
and then relationships the same way. Like it's going really good. Like we haven't, haven't been fighting, been communicating pretty well. I should probably start some shit. Yeah. And I think like our, our job choice here is not helping our situation really. Cause no. I mean, when it boils, like when you boil it down, like when we're on board and we get steak and lobster for lunch, we're like, oh crap, where's the bad news? Because steak and lobster is normally followed by, hey, we're getting underway tomorrow, or hey, we're extending working hours, or you're not going to be able to go home this weekend. It's always followed by bad news. And Dude, that's a great analogy. Like, that's a I great mean, analogy. I think that we had this before <laughs> the military, but especially now, I think the military's just made it worse. Yeah. You're like, oh, you're giving me a gold star? So should I go get a switch? <laughs> to beat my own ass with? Because I know that's what's coming next. So yeah, yeah, you're right. That's kind of funny because it's all these, it's all these subliminal thoughts that we have now you know and growing up watching disney i think everything's a subliminal fuck <laughs> you know i mean good god yeah, we're all disney meant to be help. dude i mean okay anyone else out there that grew up watching disney i mean you know if you're anywhere near our age you did and if you haven't noticed yet they're all orphans or their parents die tragically or they're dude you know it's crazy a few years ago i several years ago and it was like five or six years ago now but i like walked into the room and pinocchio was on and it was the first time i had even like seen it on tv in you know god knows how long and i sat there and i was kind of mesmerized and like i sat down and watched a bit of it and i was like dude the amount of the amount of subliminal terrible messages in that movie alone like I literally was scared. Like I, I'm not even lying when I say when I sat down and watched only about half an hour of it, I left the room like, this is why I'm fucked in the head. I loved all these movies. And like I said, as a kid, I was not talked to. So like people are gonna be like, oh, you're gonna say that, you know, a movie is what affected your relationships and that's why you act the way you act. It's like, well, when I watch a movie a hundred times, as a kid, I might not know what it means, but if I can memorize every lyric to like a thousand songs, cause I can, I think some of that might subconsciously play out you know, into yeah. my life. Absolutely. And that's a good point too. Music, shit. I mean, music, movies, media, everything. So, but dude, even Pinocchio, he like ran away, ended up in some crazy place some kids shouldn't be drinking smoking getting into trouble then he ends up in a fucking whale's mouth and his dad has to save his life because he would have died that's all very like it's like what i did except for my dad never came oh sad story <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> still a lost boy oh man that's fucked daddy uh yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of that movie now. The girl is the girl is like, that's my teddy bear. I told my dad ever left me. She's like, just kidding. He didn't leave me anything. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. I I mean I think a lot of people would agree with that, and a lot of people would like might think it's bullshit, but I really do believe that like there's some significant marks, scars left from 
just the, the things we watch. I mean, growing up and I think lack of, you know, maybe not so much as lack of conversation, lack of guidance. Cause I mean, God, God knows I, you know, I talk about that all the time. Well, whenever the topic comes up, I don't just blurt it out the fucking grocery store at a checker, but like whenever the topic comes up, I talk about all the time, how around 14 years old, right. All I did my whole life, let's just say with my dad, cause he's a huge part of Jesus, probably 90% of why I'm the way I am. And, and, and almost directly had something to do with all the terrible things I've been through. But all I did growing up was play baseball. Like I said in the last one, I think all he ever did was teach me how to swing a bat and drink beer. That's all he taught me. And when I say that, I'm not being sarcastic. Like I never got talked to, this is dead serious. I never got talked to about puberty, masturbation. I never got talked to about, never showed me how to shave. Never talked to me about girls. Never talked to me about the importance of school beyond just the typical like, yelling at you to get good grades, which doesn't mean shit to me when I wasn't interested, you could have explained it more, you know, um, SATs never took them, uh, careers, nothing, bro. So, I mean, I so far behind whatever kind of curve you want to call that, but like, God damn, did that have an impact on just so much, you know, like once I was done with school and sports, I was like, fuck am I? I'm not going to the Dodgers, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> like, you know, and yeah, there was just a lot I had to learn on my own. What's crazy is like, I didn't, so like sex wise, right. That was a huge, <laughs> kind of a big topic for a teenage, you know, male <laughs> uh, and female shit. But I mean, you know, for a teenage boy, we like, we're just full of that fucking our brains are just full of that fucking nut butter. We can't even think straight and mm-hmm. <laughs> like ever. Um, I remember I didn't even like kiss a girl. My first girlfriend in high school until I was 17. And then basically went downhill from there. Like it was like fucking freight train. But I remember actually it's a funny story too, but basically after the story, uh, my mom made me like call my dad and tell him. And in my mind, I had had, you know, so I can't even say so little conversation because it was zero conversation. Right. So I call my dad to tell him about having sex. I remember being so nervous. And then now I'm like, I should never have been nervous to talk to your own dad about something like that. You know, like I, I should never have been nervous and all like, and I remember, I think it was my stepmom made a joke after I had like gone back to the house, something like that, I, she was like, I think he was just worried that you were gay. <laughs> and I was like, that was the extent of the conversation. <laughs> there was no conversation. It was just like, okay, well, sorry. It took me so long. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I think we weird. had, I think I had the similar conversation with my parents when I started talking about girls is be- they were like, I, well, it was with my mom. Um, because I, I had a similar relationship like you had with my dad. It wasn't, there wasn't much talking, but my dad's not a big talker. I mean, he's better now, a lot better, but back then he, he didn't talk much. And I don't know what that, 
why that was. Um, I don't think he's been a big talker his whole life. But also it might have boiled down to the amount of hours he was putting in just to, to provide for us, to give us the best life. Because um, if I remember correctly, he didn't, he didn't have much growing up. Um, and what he did have, he paid for kind of deal. Yeah. And he wanted to provide for us. I mean, I mean, we had a nice house. We had food on the table at all times kind of deal. That, like, by no means are they bad parents, but, like, I knew, I knew that I could talk to my mom about everything, but it was also that awkwardness because she's my mom. She's a female. She doesn't relate to what's going on in my brain. Um, I mean, we have a lot better relationship now talk to her about anything um yeah and and my dad too my i'll talk to my dad about anything and without an issue but yeah i had a i had a lot a lot of similar things going on there it was growing up uh without without talking to my dad about much getting yelled at for grades of course and then when i did start talking about girls i'm pretty sure my mom cracked the joke about oh good you're not gay <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ that's my blood mother <laughs> like why would you say that don't you want me to be happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah looking back now i should never have said that either <laughs> thanks mom yeah thanks a lot for promoting my straightness making me miserable he's <laughs> got it right bro it's funny I was going to say the, um, oh, so with my mom too, like she's, she's always been super easy to talk to, but I think when it came to like the sex period time, I think at that time she was just so like overwhelmed with stuff that she was just like, fuck, like to everything that I did, like there was, there was no calm, you know, at that, I would just, I would say just specific few years for whatever reason, you know, I had some good ones. I remember like there was one time I had the, I had the, dopest downstairs bedroom and like she'll listen to this and fucking crack up but i had the coolest downstairs bedroom in the house that we were in at the time like the whole literally the entire downstairs of this house that we had that was a sweet house but it was like all a big room had its own sliding glass door out to the back and then i was connected to the garage too with like ping pong table and shit my car in there had like my own bathroom big ass downstairs room i remember one night you know 17 years old, just like, don't matter what time of night it is, I'll come pick you up, girl. You know, and like, <laughs> I don't even know what, it was late as shit. And I remember it being like 2 a.m. And I, we had all wood floors, 2 a.m. in the morning. I just hear, I was like, oh, oh, oh fuck. And like, <laughs> she comes downstairs and opens my closet and there's this girl just standing there in my closet, like just buck ass naked. Like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Had to drive her home. <laughs> fucking middle of the night or she did my mom did actually she was always savage like that she was like trying to get me to she was trying to get me to get out of the car and fall over the house and tell him i was like oh, fuck this let's go we're out of here um yeah she was always and i didn't have a lot of patience at the time can't blame her yeah speaking on that is like uh funny story it like it wasn't even for me i was hanging out with my cousin i was staying at my cousin's house and uh, 
uh, I want to say we were 16 and 15. He's a year, he's a year younger. And uh, a chick hit him up and was just like, hey, you want to come over? And he's like, yep. But I don't have a way to get there. And she's like, it's not that far. Just down whatever highway it was, X or whatever, right? And it's just a country highway. It's not like these California highways kind of deal. It's just a two-lane road. And uh, so we started walking. And we were walking. And we were walking. And then it took us a couple hours to get there. And she's like, don't worry. My parents will give you a ride home. When, when they get back, uh, when my mom gets back in the morning, she'll give you a ride home. All right, cool, fine. And I wasn't gonna let my cousin walk there alone. So we're walking a couple hours later and then morning comes and her mom gets home and she's like, you guys were here unsupervised? Fuck no, I'm not giving you a ride home. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> So then we had to walk our way back. We got back and we ended up looking it up and it was like 13 miles (laughs) that we walked just for him to get laid. The things I was going to say used to do, but you know, come on. (laughs) I mean, you know, (laughs) let's be real. The things we used to do when we were teenagers, but let's, let's be real. We got cars. We got cars now. Yeah. It's the only difference. A car as you walk 13 miles, you could drive a hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. Um, so I got a, I got a good one. This is my, it's my first time ever story. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic. Not the sex. The <laughs> <laughs> looking back at it. Um, God, how does it even start? So I remember it was, so me and my best friend at the time, Sorry, but, you know, he was. It's okay. (laughs) So me and my best friend at the time in high school, we were at my then girlfriend's house. And she had like two girlfriends over two. So three girls, us two hanging out. And then I remember we were going to go play basketball because one of my buddy's dad worked at like a a school and it was an indoor court, super nice. And we used to get together all the time and just play full court. So we were already at the house, kind of like, being frisky, whatever. And I think, okay, so her house was being watched by her aunt, her aunt, her mom's sister, whatever, because her parents were gone. And so, yeah, whatever, hanging out. They had a big ass house downstairs, like area two. And so anyways, we take off to basketball. You know, we say we have this plan that we'll come back later if we can kind of thing and play basketball. We get back to my house. The one I just said uh, where I was with a nice room my mom had a bunch of work people over. They were all getting hammered. So I was like, this is dope. They're never going to know what we're doing. And um, so they're getting, they're getting trash, whatever. And I, I, I don't know what I said, you know, bowling or we're going to go out or whatever kind of shit I said. So me and my buddy go back. It's got to be 10, 11 o'clock at night by this time. Park off, you know, park off the side of the street, walk all the way around her house, down to the downstairs room where they're all down there, you know, we're all young ass kids and they're down there like being crazy, taking their little shots of fucking whatever it was. <laughs> like getting fucking hammered at like however old they were. And uh, her, the aunt was like upstairs, you know, asleep in front of the TV. And so I remember we're all hanging out down there. 
we weren't drinking or anything. Um, just, you know, hanging out, trying to get our mind right, you know, fucking got to get our mind right, about to get it in. Mm-hmm. And there's always a third girl, right? I mean, obviously there's three, but you know what I mean by that third girl who's like, didn't want any action anyways, but now just needs to like be a nuisance. And like, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. And uh, all I remember is like, my girlfriend at the time, she was like in her undies, right? My girlfriend at the time, like pushed her out the door into the fucking cold grass and locked the door and left her outside. (laughs) (laughs) Shut the fuck up. And like, just locked her ass outside. And then, uh, so there's like this, you know, big ass bed and there's literally a three person, you know, couch alongside the bed. And so the girlfriend and I at the time on the bed, I, I'm like figuring out, you know, my first time ever fucking putting on a condom inside out and backwards and every which way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then my buddy is literally right next to me with her friend. So it's like dual first times. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and dude, nothing even happened. Like, I mean, it did, but it was like, the, it was just the worst. I don't know how other people's first times are, but let's just say, uh, you know, like it happened, but there was no finish line. It was very awkward. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so anyways, we got out of there. I remember like driving back home in my fucking Honda Accord and we're like, oh yeah, throwing our wrappers out the window and shit. We're all hard. And um, we get back to the house and they're doing their thing we fall asleep next day, like no big deal. And I think I had like my mom to this day, I think I put my coat on the, I put my coat on the chair by the Island where they all were still when we got back. And like, she, to this day, I'm pretty sure says that she found like, you know, went through my coat and like found either a box of condoms in there or, or I think she went through my phone. Cause I don't remember having anything, but either way, it doesn't matter. And so the, the next day, it's like 5.30 because she got off work and it's like not daylight saving. So it's like 5.30 and it's already pitch black outside. And she's like, hey, come outside. We're going to run some errands. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm like waiting outside. She pulls up to the house. I get in the car and she starts driving off and she's like, where's Holly live? And I was like, uh, why? <laughs> it's like <laughs> 24 hours later, dude. And so drive over to the house, walks me in, sits me down, tells her parents. I'm sitting there like, like just puts everybody on blast and she's like i just thought you should know you know because our kids have engaged in these activities and i was like (laughs) my mom is such a thug like you're such a dick mom and (laughs) yeah surprisingly enough i kept you know getting to go back over there and stuff but that was the most awkward it's like you just got away with like a bank robbery and the next day you got to go back and tell them and like that you stole all the money. <laughs> this like, is so embarrassing. Yeah. My mom was like that uh, a little bit, not, not ever towards like my relationships. She was definitely on my side for all that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, cool. But uh, like, I remember one time uh, my sister and I, we stole from a gas station right and like we knew who owned the gas station it was eddie everybody in town knows eddie because that was the only gas station and he owned it yeah and, <laughs> and we just stole some candy bars that's it we didn't have the money to pay for the candy bars but we wanted candy bars and also we were young dumb 
and rebellious, right? Yeah, yeah. Got away with it. Nobody knew. <laughs> right? And then, but we ate the candy. We throw the candy wrappers away. Mom goes, how'd you pay for that? And I think it was actually my sister who ended up like telling the truth because she couldn't lie to her parents. And I was like, why would you even do that? But then she's like, okay, that's fine. Here's the money. You're going back down there and you're going to tell him that you stole from him and you're going to pay for those candy bars. And so we had to, like, she didn't even give us a ride. We had to walk back down to the gas station. <laughs> yes. And pay for the candy bars that we stole. That's and then awesome. we were grounded and whatever. We had to do whatever we had to do to pay our parents back. But yeah, dude, if it was like, if it was you, I could totally see you be like, we have talked about this. I always speak first. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd be like, oh, turn in some cans, Johnny on the spot. Like, <laughs> yeah, duh, mom, idiot. And then not felt bad about it later. <laughs> yeah. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> Go back and do it again. Round two. She don't know. <laughs> oh, so I, I have this. You reminded me of something I thought about a long time ago about um, families. And it wasn't just families. It was like, oh, oh, it had to do with, well, I guess several things, but like, lack of guidance. I'm, I'm talking mostly about like high school, let's say, because those are, you know, those are the years where you kind of, I, I think first start to really feel the difference in like social statuses just by like who you interact with, or even just look at, you know, by the groups that hang out in and the clicks and the clothing and the just intelligence or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Right. And um, I had this like random ass theory I came up with I might have told you about this a long time ago but it's like the evolution of the evolution of families and I have I have this like idea that like every family just or every let's just say you know we let's just say we are in high school and every different person you look at you're like I wonder why you know they are such great student athletes. I wonder why their family is like more wealthy. I wonder why this kid's an emo. I wonder why these people live in a trailer. I wonder why, you know, I'm not getting any guidance. I wonder why they got so much guidance. You know, like I'm wondering all these different things, right? About every different person. And I wonder that, I wonder if the evolution of these families are all just on different pages. So it's not just, it's not just the kid. So, you know, like you were talking about your parents and you go look at your parents' parents and their parents and like, what did they all do to break any type of cycle in order for the next best product to come out, AKA, you know, your kid and what did they do for theirs? So I kind of have this thought that, you know, maybe it's no one's fault except for like, oh, you think that you would want to be there, like where that person is, like, I wish my family or our status was like, you know, not, I'm not talking about wealth necessarily as much as just knowledge and wisdom and like having a good plan and kind of on the straight and narrow. Right. And you're like, maybe that family is just more evolved. Maybe they're like a generation or two ahead, you know, mm -hmm. and then maybe that one over there is like, maybe they're pretty far behind, but maybe in a couple of generations, their kids or their kids, kids or whatever will be, will be that person you know, and 
so who knows? Might just be all on different kind of kind of pages, I guess, you know, because I felt for me, I always felt very in between both sides. You know, I was kind of like on the same level as what Pierce was saying, as far as like known and like couldn't really hang out with like, well, I don't really want to. Okay. Part of me wanted to be like the preppy student athlete, like with the rich kids. Mm-hmm. And, but I was like able to hang out with, you know, damn near anybody or kind of known all in between, but had a lot of my own insecurities about my own kind of social status, social, you know, economic status uh, without really knowing it. But yeah, so I just wonder if, you know, my son or their kids one day will, you know, then they'll be in a different position to raise their kids differently, you know, or provide a different life based off of my decisions, you know, and the way I do things. So I don't know. Yeah, that's actually a, that's a really interesting way to look at those. That is uh, like being on, just being on different pages or evolution cycles, if you will. Um, I guess I really looked at it that way, but I mean, I was, all, I was also kind of the, the same way where when it came to lunchtime, I could, I feel like I could have sat at any table and, <laughs> yeah, out and talked to everybody. <laughs> But never, like, I wouldn't call anybody in my high school my best friend. It was definitely never, like, had a home. Yeah. Didn't really feel like I had, like, one group that was, like, the home group, you know? But I always, I always boiled that one down to um, my examples, uh, my parents. Yeah, I mean, they had friends outside of family, but, like, we hung out with our family. It was mm-hmm. our cousins. We would throw parties and it would be our cousins that came over. And it also kind of helped that we had a cousin group up in Wisconsin that were, we were all pretty much the same age and got pretty close. And they were, they were my best friends. And we, we kind of, well, I'd say we kept each other out of trouble, but we kept each other out of high school trouble. <laughs> Yeah, we found our own trouble to get into, but we weren't we weren't at those high school parties doing what those kids were doing. Yeah, I was kind of the same. It wasn't until later that I even like tried to, and then even then, I've I've never been uh, never really been that person. I mean, even you know, even then and now. Um, it's kind of weird because even, you know, even at those times in like my twenties, like I was talking talking about of a lot of couch surfing and, you know, you know, there were bad times, but then there were also kind of just in between times where I was like staying with people that I knew from high school. And like, they, I mean, Jesus, there was a couple of times they had huge parties, but I was always the person like in the corner, like observing everyone because I just, I don't like people in mass like that because I just know that they, you know, it's like in a movie too. It's like, um, like individuals typically are, you know, okay. But in groups or in large mass, it just, it's never okay. You know, and I, I'm not someone to like, especially now, but even back then, I'm not someone to flip my switch and allow myself to be in that haze of free and, you know, like that carefree party mode, just looking around, like don't even know what's going on. I've never been able to do that. And I'm okay with that because I, you know, I, I just consider that to be pretty, 
oblivious and a little bit irresponsible, you know? And like, I know that that doesn't sound fun because a lot of them would just be like, well, you're just not fun. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty fun. Like, it's just not, I just don't feel safe around groups of people like that. Cause it's, it's, it never is like, it never is. (laughs) I mean, there's always some asshole. There's always some douchebag that wants to ruin something for everybody else. You know, that like, there's always some kid or person or adult who goes to parties or goes to bars and had a shitty upbringing. And all he knew when he got drunk was fighting. So I'm going to fight someone, you know, like there's those people everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm just not into it. You, you can't escape it. And especially me being, you know, who I am, I think we've seen it, you know, like shit. I know you've seen it. Like we go out, it's kind of funny because there's all those stigmas like, oh yeah, we go to the gym to get our intensity out so we don't strangle kittens and shit. But like when we go out, because we look a certain way, everyone's like, oh, going to fight the gym bro over there. And really, I'm like a really chill, kind person. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I want yeah. nothing to do with that bullshit at all. Yeah. And actually, um, it's funny that you bring that up because I was a, I was a bouncer here in San Diego um back last time i lived here at a country bar so i that was literally my job for four to eight hours a night was watching people drink and kind of just analyzing of like who's going to be the guy right who's going to be that guy that's going to get drunk and want to fight and you'll have a couple of them who um definitely that you could tell that they, the reason that they're big and they're jacked or ripped or whatever was they were bullied or they're in it for the looks or, I mean, just, or just a douchebag really. And just want that strength to be able to fight people. And I mean, it's pretty obvious um, when you're the sober one, because I mean, at least at the bar that I worked at, there was hardly anybody that came there and was hundred percent sober. Most people Ubered there because they had been drinking and now they're going to go out. And I mean, really that's a smart thing to do here in San Diego because to drink out here is expensive as fuck. <laughs> but uh, pro tip for you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, that was my job in, it's easy to tell just by the expression uh, on their face when they're coming in, how they would greet you and stuff like that. But definitely there is a lot of people out there that that's what they know is when they drink, it's time to fight somebody. It's time to prove something. And I mean, a, um, a lot of big dudes that go to the gym aren't like that. And my best example to give you is we had a group of uh, Navy SEALs come in, right? All ripped out of their mind. And they had the nicest people. Yeah. They had the nicest people. The best. They were the best to serve was, um, I mean, you could talk to the waitresses that served them because, I mean, I wasn't a server. But literally, as soon as something happened, they put their drinks down. They're like, do you guys need help? I'm like, no, man, chill. You're, you're not working. Relax. You're off the yeah. clock. 
I'm serving you tonight, brother. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's crazy to see like that. I mean, you're talking about the difference and it's not even just a, like, let's say Navy SEAL, because I've only met a couple myself and they are just the nicest human beings. And it's different even from some typical person in the military to someone who is like that, because you are like a self-actualized, confident person in your own abilities and not even in their own abilities, but it's like martial arts, um, things like that. You know, you're like some of the first things you're taught is to never start anything. You know, like you're, you're not there to start anything that all that stuff that you see with these people that do lash out like this or any type of anger, it doesn't have to be a fight. Anyone that is confrontational about nothing is such an insecure person for one reason or another. And, you know, then you look at these people who are like legitimate murder, not murder, but like legitimate (laughs) trained killers. Yeah. I mean, kind of, but (laughs) licensed, um, they're always the nicest people. And I mean, if you, if you ask me, that's 10 times more terrifying. I mean, and not, not that, not that it's even on purpose, you know, it's not on purpose. They just are who they are, but that's more terrifying than, you know, someone trying to like puff their chest out. You know, it's like, I know this about you. I know what you can do. And you're very, very nice. I don't like that. (laughs) It's like, it's terrifying, but it's like the other example would be uh, Trinidad, bro. Like, (laughs) It's not a big deal. It's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a positive. It's a. It's a I was. Positive I was comment. about to bring him up. Don't worry. Was... Oh, okay. Yeah. So for all those out there, if this ever comes across you, MNC, sup, dog? Um, hella cool guy we worked with for a while. So anyone out there who thinks, dude, I come across this all the time. Anyone out there who thinks like, well, I'm into um, doing this as my hobby. I'm into photography. I want to be a writer. How am I ever going to have time to have a side passion? Like, it's just, I, I want to slap everyone right across the face every time I hear stuff like that. Cause this guy we're talking about, you know, worked his, worked his ass off and made rank super fast. He's hella smart dude, great sailor. And, you know, so like, he's a very successful person in the Navy with us. And the whole time that we've known him, he's done, uh, at first, um, amateur, you know, mixed martial arts. And then he became a pro like four years ago, five years ago. A little while ago. And so yeah, so now he's a freaking really successful sailor and he's a goddamn pro Bellator fighter. And I mean, you tell me you can't have a side passion project is bullshit. But I mean, again, so sorry, the, the 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 character side and the personality side is unbelievable because he's, you know, would I don't care how much the dude weighs, he'd kick the shit out of anybody that I know. And a typical conversation with him is like every time you walk away, you're like, he is a he is a stand-up person he yeah. is so nice like every time you walk away from the dude i'd be like that was a nice conversation he's a nice guy you know like you know, oh yeah 100 percent um you're confident even even without uh knowing that he did mma just talking to the guy and how calm he is with everything there's no way i would want to start a conflict with him especially physically yeah. not a chance yeah yeah it's like it's I, just a i'll presence, take the even. biggest guy in the world and start a conflict with him before i do with trinidad and it's funny because <laughs> like i'm not a small guy i'm 
I'm six foot three, 250 pounds now. And I, I mean, I still joke with him to this day about fighting him. But I mean, we, we both know we're not, I'm not serious. <laughs> we both know it's going to play out. Yeah. But he would just, he would just let ourselves wind our fat asses out and get all tired. <laughs> uh, that's funny, man. I've seen, I mean, it's kind of funny because we, you know, we used to joke around and have, you know, fake kind of like little fights on the, you know, underway, you know, like all pretty playful for the most part. But I remember him taking on, uh, Jinji. <laughs> I remember him taking on um, the gingerbread man. And like, he was a good hundred pounds more than him, at least, right? He's got to be at least a hundred pounds more. Dude jumped on him like a spider monkey. Like, mm -hmm. no fear, jumped on him and choked him out. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you nuts. might have to cut that out. What, the gingerbread man? No. Blue on blue. Uh, well, now we do. <laughs> <laughs> it was playful. Except for the choked him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. He didn't pass out. He asked for it. Uh, I mean. So lame. The name or the story. <laughs> One of the two. Oh, that's a good point. That's, that's easier. Yeah. We good. We good. That's easier. Um, okay. A quick, uh, quick segue here. All right. Oh, I got a really random one though. Cause I started the conversation about, about, um, like painkillers, like being on, uh, when I broke my hand and when you broke your hand, mm -hmm. this is totally random, but when I broke my wrist, um, you know, you get your, your, your narcotics or whatever for a couple of weeks, then they give you those, you know, softeners, which are bullshit, by the way, um, <laughs> like the stool softeners for, yeah. <laughs> for, nar for narcotics. Oh my God. So like I was saying, you did that too, obviously, right? You were like, had them for a couple of weeks. Uh, I never did with my hands, but with my shoulder surgery, I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I remember... It's a total overshare, but it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I remember after my couple of weeks of taking it, uh, anyone that's taken, you know, narcotics or opiates for like broken bones and stuff, you know, or if you have issues, um, knows that you, you can't, you can't really take a Duke too easy. And mm -hmm. so it was like towards the end that I was actually going back in. I think it was like the first day going back to work actually. And that morning I woke up and I tried, tried to poop and it was like the most work I've ever done for like a raisinette yep. <laughs> and I like legit tore my booty. Right. Like legitimately <laughs> like felt it, dude. It was like, like I gave birth and it tore front to back type shit, like needed stitches. <laughs> and, uh, I, remember, I remember getting in my car. This is, so this is, this is really gross. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I remember like that happened. And I was like, oh God, so painful that like I got into my car and I'm sitting there like, like I should have gotten like a donut for my butt. <laughs> and, but you know, me, fucking, it's like, I'm always taking gas X pills or something. I don't know what it is, but I was like driving to work and I farted and it went through the newly torn butt. And it sounded like a blade of grass between your thumbs. 
Oh. oh god. It was like that. <gasps> like oh. it was like a harmonica in my ass. <laughs> oh no. <clears throat> Sorry, total overshare, but it was really um yeah, talk about traumatic experiences. That was that was a bad one. I was like, yeah. what you were just talking about, about I mean, you're not even 30 yet, so you just wait, dude. You hit 30, you shit your you shit your pants once a year. Like it's like clockwork. Yeah. Um, I can honestly say I got uh nothing, literally nothing to relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, it's like those. I'm telling you, I it's like you hit 29, 30, and it's like every time you get that seasonal, that seasonal like 24 hour cold. It's like, I haven't learned yet that when I have a cold, I can't fart. Like, I just, like, I don't know why I still do it. It's like, <laughs> I like living life on the edge. And every time I get that 24 hour cold and I'm like, oh man, I feel like crap. And I'm like, I got a fart. And I'm like, Pfft. and I'm like, oh, cool. I guess I'm going <laughs> to throw these away. <laughs> it just clockwork, man. It's embarrassing getting, getting older. Everything hurts and you poop your pants. <laughs> Oh man. Uh back to a more back to a more serious note. Um oh you know what? Oh, you know what? Actually, this is a strange one for me. Um this is a strange one for me, but we were kind of talking about like gym gym bro stuff and just like your image and how you look. And I thought about this a while ago. But I don't, I don't know how you, you know, when or how you relate to it, but fit shaming, like, I, you know, obviously, obviously there's like fat shaming and, you know, people make jokes about everyone's appearance, right? It doesn't matter how you look, but yep. as weird as it sounds, people are going to be like, oh, fucking boo-hoo, you know, but dead serious, I, I was actually, even as a teenager, Again, I would say, again, I would say like high school and, you know, for slightly different reasons, but it's pretty much the same thing. I remember like in high school sports, if you were doing like shirt skins or anything like that for like football training or whatever, maybe like, you know, summer football camp. <clears throat> I mean, I never knew it was a thing, but like when I was that, when I was that age, I was like six one, one fifty. you know, I was always like very tall, very scrawny, slender kid. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I've had like a six pack, eight pack since I was 13. Right. And like, as, you know, as, it's as weird as it sounds, a lot of those guys on the football team, you know, like if you weren't a freaking receiver, they were all like big ass people, you know? So even back then I was like skinny, good shape or whatever. And I used to, you know, the fit shaming thing is funny because even as an adult, you get it. And it's kind of like what we were just talking about, but it's like back then it was like, Oh, go to eight pack. And he's got like no belly button. Cause I was like so skinny. <laughs> I had like no belly button at all. It was just flat. And um, you still don't Kyle X, Y or whatever. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It's, I got a little bit, I got a little bit of one now. Cause I got that little, I got that beer underneath, but um. <laughs> Yeah, like I haven't forever, but like it's just funny how much I would get like 
kind of just poked and made fun of a little bit for that reason. And it's kind of weird because like most people I know that are fit, especially let's talk, I mean, you know, social media and stuff. Like that's why I'm so like against it is because I've, I've been insecure taking off my shirt because I'm in shape. Like, I know that sounds, I know that sounds weird, yeah. but I'm not going to lie. Even to this day, like, I mean, a couple was it a couple years ago now when I did like the, the three months and I got down to like 10% body fat and I was like probably the most shredded I've been in a few years. I did that like macro counting for a few months and it worked out really great. <clears throat> to be honest, when I went to the pool, like I knew how I looked and I was like walking around, like kind of covering myself and I'm just not that person. And I, I don't know if that's why, you know, like people look at you and judge you for doing that. Um, or I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it is mentally, but like I walk around, like when I am in really good shape, I walk around kind of with my head down. I'm not out there like trying to make anybody feel a certain way. Cause it's not for anybody else. I think that's a big part of, I mean, shit, that kind of ties into what we're talking about too with the gym merchandise and things like that for us is that I don't know if this ties in, but I guess it does indirectly with, you know, with what I'm saying now. But the fact being is that it's not for anybody else. You know, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I'm insecure when I'm actually like super cut up and I take my shirt off in front of people. And I think that's more like, Cause I don't want them to think something. I don't even know what that even means, how this is coming out, but it's very true for me. Like, you I know, don't like it. You know, to me, that almost sounds like your, uh, uh, your sympathy. Yeah. Like the way that you are about anybody really, like you, you were telling me the other day that you wouldn't gave food for the homeless because you have the food to give. Mm-hmm and they don't have food kind of deal and i think that i mean to me that sounds a lot or relates to that a lot is that you sympathize with people there you go that's what i'm trying to say is yeah yeah, you put in the work to get there but you feel bad that they haven't done it yet and you can't do anything to help them well you can't right now ultimately hopefully we can get to the point where we can help people like that yeah um but you at that moment in time you can't help them get in shape you can't help them put in the work it doesn't matter how hard you work if they don't do it they're not going to get to where you're at and you feel bad that i mean yeah to me that's what i'm hearing no that's a good point because like i it's hard to put a feeling on it. I mean, but that it makes sense because when I, you know, when I am at a certain point and I feel really, I feel like I'm making good progress, but then I go do that. Like, dude, I'm telling you, like walking by a pool. And if I see anybody, you know, if I see anybody look, I'm like, I'm thinking about maybe their mentality, you know, like not just their body. I mean, our whole thing is our whole thing right now is mental, emotional, side and stability so i think maybe a part of me like isn't trying to flaunt that's not what i'm doing you know like i'm at the pool i don't want to wear a shirt you know like yeah. <laughs> um because i'm not a flaunty person and i mean yeah, maybe a part of me is thinking of like their mentality 
and then like they're gonna sit there and like look inward maybe i don't know talk about overthinking right but yeah. like maybe they're sitting there looking inward now about their choices and their drinking problem and that's why they gain so much weight in their relationship and they can't stop fucking stress eating and blah 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 and it's like i have all the same issues i've just identified that this is what helps me and there happens to be a perk which is you know your body changing but um honestly i would you know the good thing i guess would be doing all this is knowing that if as long as you are mentally and emotionally healthy you wouldn't give a shit about how people look you know mm -hmm. if you are that person who cares about how someone looks that is something you need to work on because you, you shouldn't care about how someone looks. You should care about your own, everything we've been talking about, your own self-confidence. I mean, shit, even from the first conversation we had, the very first conversation we had on this one was, you know, communication, trust issues. But I mean, your mentality and your emotional side, like if those are in check and you got your passions and your escape and you are healthy, like you wouldn't give a shit about anybody else ever, you know? So yeah, maybe that's a, it's a dual street for sure. Kind of a vicious cycle there, but I just think it's strange that, um, from the time I was a kid to now, you know, I can only imagine, <laughs> I can only imagine people listen to, and they're like, Oh, fit shaming, huh? Douchebag. But it's like, I don't, it's, uh, I think it is sad too, that I think it's sad too, that people have to put each other down for positive things just because they're not in the same boat, you know, instead of just, you know, speaking well about other people's progress, you know, they have like snide backhanded remarks, you know, it's like, Oh, it's not, it's never about the, it's never about the work you put in. Right. It's not about the work you put in. It's about like, Oh, the girls you must be pulling. Oh, this and that. It's like, dude, how about you compliment me on how much I've worked my ass off? like mentally, emotionally, and physically, you know? Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm definitely, definitely guilty of fit shaming, especially you. <laughs> <laughs> look, I hate that guy. <laughs> oh, look at me. I got abs. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, um, I, I thought about that a while ago, you know, like just, I mean, just myself and, you know, I know there's probably plenty of people out there that like, that do look good and they're proud of it and they don't give a shit what other people think, which is how you should think, you know, as long as that's not, you know, as long as you're not like the, the douchebag that we're talking about, you know who you are, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just more of a, just more of a, a self-confidence and security. That's fine. You know? you're not out there to like make people feel bad about themselves or anything. But um, like one thing I thought was really interesting about the whole fit. I, I don't know if I heard this on his podcast, but I remember specifically Joe Rogan talking about his body because he does stand up. I don't know if you ever heard that, but mm -mm. it's really interesting to me that someone so like influential and that a lot of people look up to because of the way he thinks and like, he's a hilarious comedian, right? But there was one of his podcasts, he was talking about when he does comedy, he purposely, it, dude, you can watch on Netflix right now, go to his specials and you'll see that he wears kind of big, uh, like not, you know, like boot cut jeans and he wears an oversized long sleeve shirt. And he says specifically because he doesn't want people to focus on him being fit. 
which is a crazy thing. Like it's a, that's kind of a crazy mindset. I mean, I get his rationalization where he's like, I want people to focus on my comedy and not me, but it's like, isn't that a strange thing to be like, well, you work your ass off, bro. You're really, you're hugely successful. Show your shit off. You would think. And like, for some reason you think that that's going to take away from how funny you are. I mean, I don't necessarily believe it. And I, why I say that is because look up old Eddie Murphy skits, bro. He was wearing skin tight orange pants. You can see his dick in <laughs> like that's, that's real shit. You know? <laughs> so I don't know for me, it's like someone so confident and successful is worried about their image over like their, their art, which is interesting to me. Yeah, that is I actually that's the first time I've heard that. I, that is very interesting. But I mean, I guess it, like especially in today's world, everybody's going to have their haters. Yeah. And I mean, if he has a flawless performance comedy-wise, they're going to they're going to have to find something. And what's the next yeah. thing? How he looks, you know. Yeah, exactly. I would love to see the comment where it's like Stand-up was really funny, I think. I couldn't stop looking at his biceps, so I couldn't even hear what he was saying. Like, <laughs> like it's not that big a deal, you know, is all I'm, all I'm saying. But maybe it would. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it would take away that much from, like, the actual performance. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. And I think I brought this up, too, was the um, – I I might have already talked about this on, like, the, the first one, but the other side of it was, like – I talk about, like, Bill Burr and what he talked about getting too touchy feely on his podcast. No, I don't think so. So like there was, cause I listen to his all the time cause they're, they're hilarious. And now he does like Mondays and Thursday kind of just, he does Monday and Thursday podcasts and they're pretty, pretty vague, you know, but I like him cause he's always ranting and raving or talking about sports or whatever, but you know, his standups are hilarious. Um, like he's just one of my favorite comedians and like people right now, but I was listening to one, he does a couple where he like gives advice and they're to like email the people that write in emails and they're super funny. And he, they're actually all pretty serious topics and he'll give like a quick, a quick tidbit of wisdom and then goes just into the joke side, which is really funny. Like, don't get me wrong. It's funny, but a lot of them are actually pretty serious questions these people are like looking for wisdom from a comedian you know which he is a smart guy but then he i remember listening to one where he got into it a little bit and he probably spent 30 seconds max of like actually kind of sounding like this is a good question he kind of got into his like feelings a little bit and like i have some real opinion and like it was probably no more than 30 seconds and then he came out of it. He was like, oh, sorry about that. Didn't mean to get into, you know, um, what do you say? Like Billy the feels, you know, sorry about that. Like kept apologizing and like, and then kind of lightened it up. And I was like, dude, like millions of people listen to you, look up to you, think you're hilarious, probably know you're a smart, caring guy. Why is it such a big deal to give like some real advice? You know, like, it's not going to affect you, bro. You know, like it's not, nothing's going to be negative. If anything, it would be positive to see that you're a real person uh me personally i think that boils down to today's culture and cancel culture Mm -hmm. 
because, I mean, he showed a little bit of honesty at the Grammys the other day. Dude, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and made that a joke great. about himself. And now isn't that crazy? going crazy about cancel culture. Isn't that and crazy that he made a joke about he made a joke about himself not being able to pronounce, you know, Latinx names correctly. He's like that. How is that even offensive? He's like admitting he's like, I don't know how to say this right. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. Uh -huh. Done. Like, are you serious? Yeah, it's crazy. And I think I think that's what that boils down to is afraid to come out and be honest and then that offends somebody because then he can't go back on. Oh, it was a joke. Not saying that that's what he does by any means is anytime something somebody's offended, he goes back on as a joke. But. He's a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's mind blowing. I, I'm, I'm very grateful that comedy is even still allowed right now i've been seeing some great things online too about <clears throat> how like you know let's just say you know bill burr's i don't know what's going on with him hopefully nothing bad but like the whole uh dr seuss thing the mr potato head like all these crazy stupid things are getting canceled right but then there's like pictures right next to it of like Nicki minaj and megan the stallion like having lesbian sex on fucking stage and like but that's fine that's totally fine you know, like, yeah, you can't have Dr. Seuss books, but Ariana Grande can talk about 69 on every on the radio. Every five minutes that song comes on, you know, like that's fine. Um, there's just so many crazy double standards with all this stuff. It's just kind of mind blowing. But did I ever send you? I think the greatest, dude, the greatest thing I've ever seen for an opening to an award share, uh, an award ceremony did I ever send you the video of Ricky Gervais from like two years ago? You didn't have to send it. I've seen it. That was the best thing I've ever seen in my life, dude. Like yep. when it comes to opening ceremonies, I was literally on the edge of my couch, like dying, like waiting for the next thing he was going <laughs> to say. And he was just I, like the best part. He was like, he was like, don't come up here and use it as some political platform. You know, nothing about the real world. He was like, just come up here, accept your little award. Thank your God and fuck off. <laughs> like, i was like oh my god and then he just kept going off on all these actors and actresses like talking about you know sweatshops and he was like if ice is starting a streaming program you would call your agent like just all kinds of that was the best thing i've ever seen yep he's like i've done it five times i don't care i'm never coming back <laughs> <laughs> i don't care that's great um all right let me get into these little little reading tidbits all right so this kind of random but i kind of want to do this as often as i can because i mean we're sitting here talking about you know we go from it's it's kind of on purpose but we go from something very serious and we need to elaborate on that and talk about how it's affected us and you know, show people that it's okay to talk about and that you're going to be accepted. I think one of the greatest things for me so far is just knowing that like, I've talked to, I've talked to several people so far about the first, you know, podcast and, you know, no one has said anything other than that was really deep. I really liked it. That's, that's it, you know? And so I think if more and more people start to be like, I've already had, I've already had a buddy of mine uh, listen to it and text me saying, 
that's awesome. That's something I've always needed to work on was not holding my, my stuff in like that and just realizing that people are going to be okay with me still, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I already had a couple of messages like that. So we go from that side to regular conversation to hopefully a couple funny things. And hopefully all this is just a seamless way of saying this is everything in life. That's totally fine. And everything's acceptable. Like you're going to be cool, you know? Um, but I do want to, you know, if I can like provide any extra bit of knowledge that isn't my own. I mean, like I said, I'm going through treatment right now. A lot of it is helpful. Some of it isn't because it's not, you know, directed at exactly what I think I need as far as like trauma, which I've shared, you know, a couple. Um, but I'm definitely getting some, some good things out of it. So, you know, if you want to learn a couple of random things from some of the things that I'm getting, then I'm just going to, I'm going to read off a couple of things and try to do it as often as we can. And, you know, it doesn't have to just be from what I'm going through. You know, I, I like looking things up. I had something in here about um, uh, food and your mood. And I actually learned a lot of cool, because we're obviously, we're obviously a couple gym rat meatheads for the therapeutic side of it. But, you know, we also like to know what we know about diets and, you know, we're no, we're no dietitians, you know, we're no like nutritionists, but I like to think I know enough to get by. Um, so, you know, I, I like to share stuff like that. I learned a lot from this food and your mood thing about a lot of little random um, foods and supplements and things like that. Like, for example, with, let's just say, for example, with um, turmeric, like, you know, people take turmeric as a daily vitamin um, because it helps with inflammation. Right. But like when I, when I read that, I've, you know, not knowing much about these things, when I read something like that, I just think, okay, how much turmeric and how long do I got to take it for it to be effective? I'm kind of skeptical, you know what I'm saying? Like as far as how effective it can possibly be. And then reading this stuff, this is just one example, but it said like turmeric is actually just as effective as Motrin. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, why doesn't it say that on the bottle? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like some more knowledge. I would, I would read it because I read everything I buy, but you have to do some real digging to actually see what's good for you. What's not, you know, I, I learned a lot of stuff recently about how deficient we probably are in vitamin D and how big of a role that plays in our lives, because you can actually take a lot more than what the bottle says on a daily basis, not too much. Look into it yourself but you should actually take more, more vitamin B1, things like there's just a bunch of stuff that you should be learning. And that's not just physical that plays into your mental, like that plays into your mental health too. But what's crazy about like the, the anti, um, the anti-inflammatory stuff is I was talking about it with somebody <clears throat> and when we take Motrin or, you know, turmeric, whatever, we don't use it the right way because I don't, you know, maybe like I take Motrin or whatever for pain, you know, it says pain reliever fever reducer. And yeah, maybe the pain is coming from inflammation. Right. But I think the point is that you can actually take like a child's Tylenol or you can take Motrin every single day. And it's actually, it's actually suggested to take like a Motrin every single day to reduce overall inflammation. Right. Um, taking a child's Tylenol every day, like prevents, heart attacks and things like that. I think it's actually been proven to help with COVID symptoms. I heard that from um, a nurse friend that 
said that taking uh, children's Tylenol every day can actually help with COVID symptoms. No idea how. Don't ask me. I'm not a scientist. Just saying. The more you know. You know? So, let me see. I want to start with codependency because I thought this was a... I thought this was pretty interesting today. And everything that we go over, I feel like I... I have answers. I have my answers. I'm sorry. I'm trying to word this the right way. My answers would have been different a year ago and any time before that. And now my answers are slightly different. They're not, they're not a complete 180, but they're definitely um, better than that they were on, on almost every subject that we go over. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, but like, you know, if you want to bear with me real quick, <clears throat> codependency is a big part of the mental, emotional, spiritual health that I've, I'm, well, I'm still dealing with. So just trying to be okay with yourself, you know, but a lot of people don't even know that they are codependent and they're never going to be okay with themselves until they identify that and figure out how to fix it. Uh, so we'll get on this list real quick. What is codependency? My good feelings about who I am stem from being liked by you. My good feelings about who I am stem from receiving approval from you, which those, those two things alone, what does that sound like? My good feelings about who I am stem from being liked by you. Social media, like getting likes, getting follows. Yeah. Like, Codependent, the first two on here, my good feelings about who I am stem from receiving approval from you. Otherwise you have no good feelings about yourself. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, your struggles affect my serenity. My mental attention focuses on resolving your problems or relieving your pain. My mental attention is focused on pleasing you. My mental attention is focused on protecting you. My attention is focused on manipulating, manipulating you to do it my way. My self-esteem is bolstered by solving your problems. My self-esteem is bolstered by relieving your pain. So all these things are, you know, I kind of, I kind of joked about it earlier, but what is it down here? It's like the quality of my life. The quality of my life is in relation to the quality of yours. And my biggest fear is that you will leave me. And that's anybody, you know, it's, it's actually a lot of different things. It's significant others, spouses, it's friends, and even chemical addictions. So my biggest fear is that you'll leave me. That could be an alcohol addiction. It could be a drug addiction. Because once those things leave, or that person leaves, you're only going to be stuck with yourself. And that's the, that's the biggest part of codependency is you don't want to be stuck with yourself because you don't know how the hell to deal with yourself because you don't even like yourself. You know, So that's why codependent people are always trying to solve other people's problems and trying to help other people because the second they don't have that person to help, they, they have no idea how to do it for themselves. So that's, it was, I thought that was pretty interesting because a lot of those things I am still guilty of, but a lot of them I've gotten a lot better of, I'm a lot better uh, about, I should say. Um, and then you know, if you want to, if you want to answer yes or no to these, you can, I think it was kind of interesting, but so it says answer the following yes or no. 
to these, it's a codependency self-test just to see where you're at. So yes or no, I make enough time to do things just for myself each week. So we talked about that. Invest in yourself, right? Yep. Self-investment. Yeah. So I said yes to that because I do. I mean, but I, but again, like would I have said that a year ago? Nope. Probably, probably not. Um, it is usually best not to tell someone when they're bothering me because it only causes fights and gets everyone upset. A year ago, yes. Right now, I got no problem telling someone that I have boundaries and I need, I need what I need, you know? Um, I'm happy about the way my family communicated when I was growing up. For me, no. Uh, sometimes I don't know how I really feel. It's kind of vague. Uh, when I'm in a relationship that becomes too confusing and complicated, I have no trouble getting out of it. So for that one, I put yes and no, because that's, I think something we talked about before was when you have a lot of stipulations, you know, like our situation, you know, married and kids, it can get confusing, complicated and worn out. And it's not that easy to just say, you know, get out of it. But my answer now, moving forward with the beliefs and the values that I have now about relationships, 100%, it would be easy to get out, you know. Um, I make major decisions easily. I think I do. I often have so many things going on at once that I'm really not doing justice to any one of them. So it's kind of like a... Uh, What's that? Uh, Don a blank. Master of none. Jack of all trades. Master of none. Mm-hmm. You know, um, being alone is a problem for me. I'm as spontaneous as I'd like to be, and when a close friend or relative asks for my help more than I'd like, I usually say yes, anyways. And then, depending on your answers, you are like, you know, somewhat codependent. Basically, for me, it's like. The ones that you look at, you know, for me, anything, everyone learns differently, right? You can listen to stuff. You can watch stuff. For me, all this pen to paper is the best way for me personally. And it's like, once I see it, I'm like, I think it's much more real and much more tangible when I'm writing things down. Um, A really close friend of mine does journaling. I'm not a journaler, you know, but I, I can see the benefit in it. Um. So I would suggest doing that too. I don't know if you ever like even looked into that kind of stuff when you were doing anything, but like, I mean, it's, you know, to a lot of people, it sounds cheesy, but when you're going through this kind of stuff, when you're going through this kind of stuff and learning what, what you're learning and it makes you feel better, it makes a lot of sense, you know, gratitude journals, things like that, you know, not for me, but I can definitely see the, uh, the benefits in them. Um, this quick quick snippet about gratitude. Um, I think this is where, you know, we talked about like giving back and I'm excited to just do, I'm excited to like one day do any kind of videos about, you know, these types of things Cause I, it's a big part of, you know, like what I want to represent. Um, but in, it says uh, in the Buddhist tradition, if someone offers something to you, it's incumbent upon you to receive it unless it's stolen. Um, you're denying the other person the opportunity to give. And there's also scientific evidence that grateful people, there's also scientific evidence that grateful people naturally feel more inclined to share or give 
further propelling the what goes around comes around phenomenon. So it's kind of interesting, but the more grateful you are, the more likely that person is actually going to be more giving. So people that don't share a lot, that don't give a lot, that don't give back, probably aren't that grateful for what they have, which is very interesting because someone, I mean, happens all the time. People that don't have a whole lot of anything or don't make a lot of extra money, but are very grateful what they have, give their last dime to people all the time. So it's interesting. Um, my last little story that I liked from today. <laughs> all right. um, let me see. I like this one because it kind of, uh, this, these goldfish remind me of myself kind of, actually all of us really, but says, uh, here's one of my favorite anecdotes about change. Jimmy had poor, I'm sorry, Jimmy had four pet goldfish. Every night before bedtime, he would watch the orange fish swim around and around the small glass bowl they lived in. One day he noticed the water bowl looked cloudy and needed to be cleaned. Jimmy filled up the tub with cool water, then gently lowered the bowl into the tub until the goldfish swam out of the dirty bowl into the bathtub water. Then he scrubbed the bowl until it sparkled. As Jimmy knelt by the bathtub to retrieve the goldfish, he saw a strange sight. Even though the tub was huge, the goldfish were swimming round and round in a tiny circle right where Jimmy had originally placed them. Why are the fish swimming in a little circle when they have the whole tub? Jimmy asked his mom. She smiled and answered because they think they're still in their tiny glass bowl. That's what they're used to. Often we're not much different from Jimmy's goldfish when we're offered an opportunity to change. We may decide instead to remain the way we've been, living within our same boundaries, swimming in our same circles. Sometimes even when life makes those changes for us, we stubbornly try to hang on like goldfish to our old realities. Interesting. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what actually relate to that quite a bit too is, uh, well, like you said, it reminds us, reminds you of all of us, but I definitely, I definitely used to be that way. Um, before the, uh, military, I didn't like change. Um, and I think that actually stemmed from when I was younger, my life being flipped upside down. I mean, it was for the better as far as money-wise and everything, but my parents moved us from Texas to Wisconsin to be able to give us a better life. And uh, just that amount of change made me not like it, not like change. Yeah. And so... And I'm still kind of that way too, not as much, but like when plans change, especially I, I tend to, I tend to back out. I don't like last minute changes kind of deal. Um, Even when they're positive. Yeah. That's what's Absolutely. crazy is like that last part right there was basically saying like life literally will try to push you into a positive change. I mean, even like, let's go back to like the relationship topic we were talking about was like, it's so positive but no, I want to stay here where I'm used to it, even though that side is never worked. <laughs> like <laughs> it's never worked out, but it's familiar in this way that I act in this way that I talk in this way that I treat people. You know, it's like, 
it's literally trying to push you into a better circumstance and trying to give you another chance. And you're like, no, nah, I'm going to hang out over here where I, you know, I've failed. Um, it's a really interesting concept. It's like, let the reins go and just try, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, they got a lot of other random stuff we can do on the next one. Um, But yeah, I think that's about it for now. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, once again, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, CastBox, and a couple other smaller apps. Um, all of them, the name of the, the podcast, the YouTube channel, is all, it's all going to be Headcase. It's all going to stay the same, make it easy. We're going to get some more people on here pretty soon. I'm going to have some good guests. I'm hoping here in no time, we're going to get that merchandise going. Um, you know, we're obviously going to plug that more and more. Uh, the hats and beanies, head case. We got straight jacket and red flag hoodies and shirts probably coming out. We got pierces uh, for the boys brand, which is dope. We're going to um, hopefully have some pictures of that up pretty soon. And, you know, we'll get the website and all the merchandise going and it's going to start small, but um I think it's gonna be pretty sweet to to rep all this one day and have people um you know comment in hopefully we can somehow get this you know the email and things like that out you know it'll it'll happen eventually but i'm excited to hopefully interact with some people and yeah and i mean guys if you guys already whoever's listening if you want to provide feedback you want to provide your story or whatever you can go ahead and email us at the underscore headcases at yahoo.com um, I check that every single day, multiple times a day. So you send it in and we'll try to fit in whatever you want to say or whatever uh, critique that you feel like you need to provide. We'll try to get it changed and uh, we'll just keep moving forward. All right, brother. All right. Y'all have a good one.